Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friend's houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm, of course, your host, Danielle Alvari. I hope you all had a good weekend. First, a footballless weekend after the Super Bowl, and it was kind of somber. For some, at least, and especially if that's your bread and butter with betting. But there are a lot of other things to move on to bet. Uh, I myself, actually, Sunday was at the UCLA women's basketball game, and it reminded me that although you cannot bet on women's college basketball in season, you can bet on the tournament. And yes, March Madness is right around the corner. So not only are we going to talk about the men's tournament, which is by far my favorite sporting event every year, uh, we'll also talk about the women's tournament. Uh, so I'm excited. Lots of things to come here in March. And it seems the timing is weird, right? Because the Super Bowl was a week later. And then Valentine's Day was like right next to it. And then all of a sudden it was All-Star Weekend. I just feel like March snuck up on me even faster than usual this season. And in the best way possible. I'm so excited that we're almost to March and here for the tournament time. In today's show... We're going to recap the NBA All-Star Weekend and talk about where the Lakers and Clippers are coming out of the All-Star break. And then we'll get into some men's college basketball, recap USC's weekend, UCLA's weekend, and preview, actually, UCLA has a rescheduled game versus Arizona State on Monday, February 20th. So if you're listening to this Monday morning, yes, it is going on tonight. And uh, Arizona State, UCLA, you may remember this game on February 5th, I believe, 15 days ago, in Arizona, three overtimes, and Arizona State won. It was the beginning of kind of a stumble for UCLA here. They had got swept by those Arizona teams. They lost to USC. Now it seems like they found their footing a little bit again, but we'll get into that more later in the show. First things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines, available at Bet River Sportsbook. 
For the NBA, Lakers are 15 to 1 to win the West, 30 to 1 to win the championship. Meanwhile, the Clippers, 30 to 1 to win the West, 60 to 1 to win the championship. They were 80 last week. So we'll talk about this, but I'm wondering how soon we think that Paul George is going to be back in the mix and if Kawhi will be back at all. Uh, as for the Lakers and the Clippers, the next game back for them will be on Friday, February 25th, the Lakers versus Clippers. And again, I think I mentioned it last week on the pod, be looking to get JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst on from VSIM, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, the sports betting network, to talk about this game because not only is he our NBA senior analyst at VSIM, uh, he's also such a fun guest and Hello, a Clippers fan. So I have to see his takes on this. Uh, and also in college basketball world, like I said, Monday night, ASU, Arizona State at UCLA. UCLA getting a 14 point, well, not getting, giving 14 here, minus 14 as a favorite here for UCLA. I believe this line when they played in Arizona was 10. UCLA favored by 10, 14 this time with their home court at Poly Pavilion. And the total sitting at 133 and a half. Now, as for the future odds, UCLA right now, 22-1 to 1 to win the NCAA tournament. Not really juicy, not really interesting, and a bit too short because I think people are forgetting how meteoric their rise was from the first four to the final four last season and how March works, right? It's win in advance and that's it, and they're 22-1. to 1? That is such a short shot, and I get it because this is a gritty UCLA team. I love watching this UCLA team, uh, if you didn't already know that. <laughs> USC, meanwhile, 60-1 to to win the NCAA tournament. Again, too short for them, probably. You could get them 100-1 to even just a few weeks ago, and I'm sure that'll bounce around before we get really into the thick of things with the madness. You can find all these odds and more at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk about the All-Star game. I did not particularly, this is not something I love to bet, not something I take great interest in. I am interested to hear if there are people who do take great interest in this All-Star game. Uh, I think it's great to put on your resume. It's good resume powder for these uh, NBA players. I'm sure it's a fun weekend for them, uh, especially people like John Morant, uh, you know, these young guys, things like that. Uh, but yeah, for me, not not anything super exciting. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns won the three-point shooting contest. Who saw that? I mean, he lobbied to get into this thing. Um, he was actually 12-1 to 1 at least, maybe longer in some spots to win this. Um, and he scored a record-setting 29 points in the final round. So Carl Anthony Town wins the three-point shooting contest. As for the dunk contest, this is where I felt like I saw the biggest uh, bad reaction is how I'll sum it up, at least as far as Twitter is concerned, which, again, most people like to just say negative things on Twitter anyway, so take that with a grain of salt. But uh, Obi Toppin from the Knicks won the dunk contest. He went through his legs. He tapped the ball off the backboard. He finished with that one-handed dunk. And it scored a 47. That was his final dunk. And that won it for him. But just the buildup with a lot of these dunks and just, yeah, the overall. I mean, people are even saying they'd rather have the three-point shooting contest after because it's more exciting. And actually, one of the WNBA writers that I follow tweeted something about this and said, keep that same energy when we get to WNBA season. That three-pointers are more exciting than dunks. Anyways. Oh, I'm so excited for WNBA, guys. It's coming back, and we're going to talk about it. Don't you worry. Team LeBron won 163 to 160. Very poetic. LeBron scored the game winner with a fadeaway. You know, he said something actually about he embraced Michael Jordan after the game, uh, and they asked him about it, and he said, you know, just the way it ended, that he basically grew up watching him do that, and then that's how this game ended, and all very circle of life moment. 
Team Durant, meanwhile, covered. Five and a half point dogs they were. And Kevin Durant wasn't even playing. He was dealing with some family issues. Um, I believe there was a death in the family. I think it was a grandmother. Uh, so he was not playing. And they still covered as five and a half point dogs. So at least that fourth quarter was highly contested with that new format. And Steph Curry. Should we talk about Steph Curry? 50 points. So yeah, one of the worst three-point shooting seasons of his career, but he reminded us who he is. Um, he was 8-1 to one to win MVP, and he did win that. He said that was a really important uh, moment for him. Uh, he was actually two points away from Anthony Davis's All-Star Game record of 52 points, which was from 2017, but just, just 50 for Steph, unfortunately. He made 16 three-pointers, so... That record he did break, and by that record, I mean Paul George's record for the most threes in a single All-Star game, which was nine before. He beat it by five, seven, excuse me, seven, 16 three-pointers. That's just, you know, another day of Steph Curry. He's incredible. He's an incredible shooter. Uh, also of note, Chris Paul received the inaugural Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Advocacy Award for his significant contributions to the advancement of girls and women in basketball uh, and advocacy for the WNBA. Uh, Vanessa Bryant presented it to him uh, before the game. It was all very great. Uh, but it was interesting because I did see, and again, take it with a grain of salt, it's Twitter. It's, you know, there's usually a loud minority on there. But I saw some WNBA fans like, great, like just what the WNBA needs is another award for men. I think that's the wrong take here. Like, you guys are in this together. And I think it's great. I mean, we saw that picture. That's got to be one of my all-time favorite pictures, actually, from... The WNBA Finals is seeing the cross support like that of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and I believe it was DeAndre Ayton um, in that picture where uh, Devin Booker's holding like his old school camera that was like really expensive everybody talked about, and they're taking a picture and they're all like just rooting on the Phoenix Mercury. I mean, that was such a great moment. And so I don't think you should, I get it, you want to award somebody who's a woman who's advancing this, but that was not really the point of this. And so uh, I thought it was great. And I think Chris Paul does a great job of being involved in this. And so I think, you know, take all the wins you can get. That's how I feel. And I think that's a win. I think it's great the way that a lot of these, especially the younger even uh, NBA players are stepping up and um, kind of cross promoting the WNBA. And hopefully it makes people more interested in, in both sports. And, you know, I'm going to see if I can get you there too, if you're not already a WNBA fan. Uh, but as far as the Lakers are concerned overall, one other big note before we get into where they are with their season, the LeBron and Bronny storyline moment that happened. Uh, so, of course, I love the NBA because the drama is just its so good. Uh, LeBron basically made the weekend about himself, which I have no problem with. He's LeBron James. Uh, he said there's no certainties about his NBA future, but he's certain he'd like to play his final season alongside his son, Bronny. So, now don't forget Bryce also coming up and, you know, on track apparently to be very good himself. But no, we're talking about Bronny here. He said regardless of whether he turns to, returns to Cleveland or not, which now that's getting thrown up in the mix and people are going wild about that, uh, he said that when his final season comes, it's going to be playing with his son, whatever it takes, is what he said. Um, he said, wherever Bronny's at, that's where I'll be. I would do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. I would hope not. I mean, this man has businesses that are all over the board and he definitely doesn't need the money at that point, but it's kind of crazy to even be talking about this because like I said, we have to enjoy LeBron James while we have them. And I've not been my whole, uh, my whole, his whole career. I've not been like 
beating the LeBron James drum, being like, oh my God. But we have to respect this in the way seeing incredible athletes like Tom Brady and these once-in-a-generation athletes, um, why we have to, you know, respect them and enjoy them while we have them. That said, LeBron is averaging 29.1 points per game. He's only behind Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo in the league this season. And then, of course, he passed Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most combined regular and postseason points in NBA history. So, like, like love or hate, that's you have to put respect on that. Uh, he did sign, just to give you an update of where he's at with this contract, because now everyone's feeding frenzy. Is he going back to Cleveland? Is he leaving? Like, relax. Uh, he signed a two-year, $85 million contract extension back in 2020, December. Uh, so he'll be a free agent after the 2022-23 season. By the way, when that expires in summer of 2023, the Lakers will only have $80 million in projected cap space. Not ideal. Speaking of not ideal, let's talk about the Lakers' state of affairs. According to 538, coming into the season, the Lakers had a 49% chance of making the playoffs, with a 4% chance of making the NBA Finals and just a 2% chance of winning it all. Now, those percents towards the end are always pretty small for even the best of the teams. Uh, but still, a lot more was predictive of this team than what we've seen. They sit ninth in the Western Conference with 27-31 and 31 record. They could still grab the sixth seed in the Western Conference, maybe avoid, you know, having to participate in the play-in part. But it looks like they're headed for the play-in. Or, I mean, technically, they could just as easily fall out of the playoffs completely as they could get out of the playoff, or excuse me, the play-in situation. Like, both situations are nearly as likely they're three games up from the 10th seeded blazers i can't believe the blazers are being considered in this conversation man the poor blazers dame lillard poor poor team uh poor management is what i should say they're three games up on the blazers the pelicans are three and a half games back from the 10th seed they're making a late push for a play-in spot and then we have to talk about the lakers final schedule here i've mentioned this once before on the pod but let's break it down again they have one of the toughest remaining schedules in the NBA, if not the. Of the Lakers' final 24 games post-All-Star break here, 14 will be played on the road, 18 are against opponents that have a record of 500 or better, which the Lakers do not right now, and six of their final 10 games of the season will be on the road. Seven of those will be against current playoff teams. They have to play the number one-seeded Phoenix Suns two more times. They have to play the number two-seeded Warriors three more times. Uh, they have to play the Nuggets two more times, five-seed right now. And they also have to face the Jazz again before their regular season is over. And yes, they have already beaten the Jazz twice. So that is of note. Maybe that's the small bright spot for this team. I think that's more of a matchup that works for them more than anything else. Uh but yeah, one of the hardest remaining schedules in the NBA this season. Really, really a tough road for them to get to the playoffs, period. Past this play-in. Uh, LeBron, right? Incredible season he's having, but nonetheless, he's not infallible. He is just one man. Um, he's missed 17 games this season, and the Lakers are 6-11 and in those games. So, yeah. They kind of need him. As for Anthony Davis, he's missed 18 games, so one more, but on his way to missing quite a few more because he suffered a midfoot sprain in their last game uh, last Wednesday against Utah, and the testing after revealed that he'll be out for at least the next four weeks. So, <laughs> what, going to miss the first 11, 10, 11 games back from the break? Uh, 
That said, the Lakers do have a winning record without him in the lineup. They're 11 and 7. But as far as playoffs, tournament, or not play, tournament, uh, I have March Madness on the brain, can you tell? But as far as the playoffs and the finals and all of that are concerned, they won't be able to do this without him. That much is obvious. And the Lakers did nothing at the trade break, too. I mean, there's the whole Westbrook dilemma. They didn't do anything with the trade deadline. They have these obvious issues that need to be addressed. But, but how? But how? What do they have? What do they have to get what they need? They apparently, there was this drama. I love the drama sometimes. This is just kind of like, I don't know. Los Angeles pursued a trade to deal Westbrook to the Rockets at the deadline in exchange for John Wall, but the deal fell apart because they wouldn't include a 2027 first round pick in the trade, right? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, both agents at Clutch Sports. You know who else? Surprise, they also represent John Wall. Uh, so shockingly, they weren't happy about that. Nonetheless, nothing was done about Westbrook. So that's what remains for Lakers fans here. What, do we, what now? And who can help LeBron? I mean, Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson have stepped up in their own capacities, especially I think Malik Monk has been really someone that LeBron has been willing to kind of depend on a little bit more, it seems like. But if Westbrook can't find a way to not be detrimental to the team when he's on the court, that's all we're asking for at this point. And this is coming from somebody who it hurts me because he's a UCLA alum and I, I you know, I want to protect the Brody here. But the fact of the matter is this is terrible basketball he's playing. He's turning over the ball an insane amount of times. He's taking shots he shouldn't be taking. So it's more just how do you not hurt the team when you're on the court at this point? Let alone he was brought in to be the third star. So does this ship get righted? I just don't think this is the fit for him, and that's what everyone's seen, and that's why everyone's kind of expecting him to make a trade at the deadline, and they didn't. So state of affairs in the Lakers land, not great, but you do have LeBron James, and as long as he stays healthy and in the game, you have a shot in hell. Absolutely. The Clippers, meanwhile, if we talk about where the Clippers are at, they've kind of struggled with injuries all season long as well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being the most notable, obviously, big stars missing. If you Let's go backwards here. Leonard suffered an ACL tear during the playoffs last year, hasn't returned. And Paul George suffered an elbow injury earlier this season. He's been out. Um, but while they've been gone, actually, the Clippers have been playing really well. They've beat kind of good teams, especially just as of late. Like in the last, oh gosh, they went on a really long road stretch, like 10, 12 games, and they went off they went crazy they did really well a bunch of role players just really fighting for their time and doing their best out there and just in these last couple games I mean they beat the Warriors being the, the best example uh as of late but if they get Paul George and I mean have to forbid Kawhi Leonard back too this this is a dangerous team they could be I mean right now what are they aiming for a playing spot but they can't really do this without their stars I, they can't um now that said, little confusing here because Kawhi Leonard was expected to return before the playoffs, but you know, his camp is notoriously dead silent about his recovery and, you know, likes people to butt out of that, if you will. But Ty Lu also suggested that that might not happen. So big, big question marks there still. But on a more positive note, in a recent report, uh, by NBA insider Chris Haynes, he suggested that Paul George could actually be back sooner. Uh, he said that if Paul George's recent MRI results come back clean, the former All-Star could make a return to the court by March if things go right. So, 
I don't know how much this helps this team because I remember what they looked like with Paul George. He was a big scorer for them, but their offense has kind of turned a corner as of late. They added on Norman Powell as well, who has been out actually, unfortunately, after playing a couple of games with them, but that was a huge offensive boost for them as well. Um, not a Paul George level boost, nonetheless. Um, but their offense kind of turned a corner without him. So getting him back, of course, can't can't hurt you. He's an he's he's a great basketball player, but that's not the same thing as getting Kawhi back, and it's not the same thing as getting both of them back. Uh, Clippers sixty to one to win the championship. Like I said, eighty to one last week. I don't know why it would go down further. Like, I don't think the odds will get shorter than this. I think they might actually get longer up and down. It depends. Um, so as always, I'm tempted. I'm tempted, but I hate tying my money up in futures. And maybe that's just because I've never won a really big future, but uh, that's probably what Will Hill, host of the New York City cast would tell me. Uh, nonetheless, the next game, Lakers Clippers, Friday, February 25th. We're going to talk all about it, but not next. Coming up next, we are talking UCLA and USC basketball. That and more on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Let's start with USC today. See, not always biased, guys. Their next game is Thursday at Oregon State. Yes, they are on the road. Man, these teams are about to really play a lot of games in a short amount of time. And I know what's happening everywhere, but it doesn't change the fact that it sucks. It sucks for the teams because, uh, as some people have pointed out, postponing the games due to COVID concerns was to benefit the health of the players and protect people. And yet here we are cramming in a bunch of games in a week. And then, yes, there is the angle of, well, these kids want to play in the NBA. That's what it's like. It's this many games per week. So lots of different ways to look at this, but I do think this is a lot on college kids who a lot of which are not going to play in the NBA. And this is just a lot on their bodies. So that said, uh, USC on the road at Oregon State on Thursday. We'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. They're 17 in the AP rankings, the time of recording. Uh, we'll see where they end up. They did beat Washington last Thursday by 10. You may remember there was a last-minute cover there for the Huskies because USC was 11, 11.5-point favorite. Um, they should have covered – they were basically covering the whole game. They had 95% chance to cover basically the whole game and last-minute backdoor for the Huskies. So – not ideal uh, for betters, especially, but most recently they played Washington state on Sunday and barely scratched this one out 62 to 60. And looking at this game, looking at the box score, I was trying to figure out why this was so, so close. They did USC did get beaten on the boards a little bit, but Washington state shot really well. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm confused why this really came down to the wire for USC. Boogie Ellis, of course, game winner here. He, he hit a 16-foot jumper from the foul line with 0.2 seconds left to win it. Uh, the driveway shot. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Washington State beat them on the offensive rebounds, but they were outscored 12 to 5 in second chance points. And then also 18 to 6 in the paint, they were outscored. So that makes sense based on the way these teams are built. Um, that's definitely how USC is going to do things. The, the one thing, too, I will say, USC's free throw shooting has been on the uphill. It's been on the mend. It's been improving. They went 19 of 25 on free throws, which was a huge improvement for them. So something to keep an eye on because that's the first thing we look at is why is this free throw shooting so terrible for this team? Uh, but right now, USC 23 and 24 overall in the season, 12 and 4 in Pac-12 play. Uh, Ken Palm has them ranked 28th. Uh, 36 in adjusted offensive efficiency at 111.8, and then 43rd in adjusted defensive efficiency at 95.7. That said, the Trojans started out the season covering a lot, and they started out, what, 13-0, and they were kind of this hot team, but I had questions of how difficult has their schedule been, and it was also early in the season, and it's kind of simmered down. Now, I'm not just saying that because they did – beat UCLA and very handily actually uh, when they hosted them in the Galen Center not but a, a week ago at this point that said that's a rivalry game so we're going to put a little asterisk on that one in terms of the energy um, even USC talked about that in the post game versus Washington State uh, but USC's just not been able to cover these really big spreads it's similar to UCLA actually I think that people don't realize that this Pac-12 is <laughs> so uh, cannibalistic in nature where bad teams beat good teams all the time uh, even though they shouldn't. Um, so that said, Trojans have covered one of their last four games. Next game they play, like I said, at Oregon State. Should be able to cover. Should be probably double-digit favorites again. Uh, but they're on the road, so who knows? So more on that on Wednesday. But I'll be interested to see kind of how things shake out at the end of the season here for USC. As for UCLA, they're in action on Monday. So uh, Monday, February 21st. I think I said 20th earlier in the show, so apologies if not. But ASU at UCLA. UCLA number 13 in the AP rankings, at least time of recording. And last time UCLA played, I mean, let's take you back even further. They lost three of their last four leading into last Thursday's game. So rough stretch, like I said. Swept by the Arizona teams, lost to USC at the Galen Center, looked completely lost in that game. Um I mean, Tiger Campbell was their leading scorer in that game. Johnny Juzang could not figure it out. Uh, Jaime Hawkins is playing with, what, two hurt ankles right now? Uh, so it was a mess. It was, it was tough for the Bruins. That was a moment of adversity for sure. Um, but then, going into last Thursday's game, right, Washington State on Thursday, they beat Washington State. They cover as double-digit favorites. They sweep Washington overall for the weekend because they go on to beat Washington on Saturday. Um, so it looks like they've bounced back in a lot of ways. As for ASU, you may remember on February 5th, they beat UCLA in triple overtime uh, when they hosted the Bruins. They right now are coming off a sweep of the Oregon schools on the road. In fact, they're on a three-game win streak. They've covered three straight. They were 10-point underdogs versus UCLA in their last game and won. And this time around at Poly Pavilion, UCLA a 14-point favorite. So going to be interesting. Going to be certainly interesting. Uh, UCLA right now by the numbers, 19-5 and five overall. They're 11-4 and four in Pac-12 play. Ken Palm has them ranked 8th. They are 15th in adjusted offense efficiency on there with 115.8. And 13th in adjusted defensive efficiency at 90.8. 
something I always talk about with UCLA, they take care of the ball really well. I said it was going to be interesting to see them against Washington State because Washington State had this great turnover percentage defensively and was able to create steals and, and just situations like that to create turnovers. And UCLA still did its thing, absolutely. So that was a good test there. 50.6% uh, effective field goal shooting percentage for UCLA right now. Again, offense took huge steps forward in these last two games, I believe. Um, and just because, we'll, we'll get into it in a moment, but uh, yeah, 50.6% effective field goal percentage, 35.5% from three. Both of those are up from last week. And then 71.7% free throw shooting percentage. That actually went down just slightly. But what I've been saying is how Johnny Juzang needs more consistent help on offense. And uh, he's taking 30% of the shots and he needs, he needs a consistent number two or something. And then Jules Bernard was having such a tough time, and Jaime Hawkins is playing hurt, and he plays so hard, but he's playing hurt. And lo and behold, Jalen Clark, who missed a couple games recently because of a concussion, I believe it was his second concussion on the season, missed some games. He's a huge, huge, he's probably the best defender on UCLA. Um, they bring him in just to play defense. He breaks out versus Washington State and then continues it versus Washington. First Washington State on Thursday, he shot 7 of 11 for 18 points. And then on Saturday versus Washington, 12 of 16 for 25 points. Plus, everything he's bringing to the defensive side of the table. Incredible to finally see this from Jalen Clark. And really making a case for a starting spot for himself. Then... Versus Washington, also on Saturday, David Singleton, everybody's favorite six man, six of eight from three. He made six three-pointers. He was so automatic. It was incredible. He had 23 points. Um, has to be, I know it's a season high for him. I wonder if it's a career high. I'd have to look that up. Uh, now that said, versus Washington on Saturday, Cody Riley did not play. No reason was given. Probably load management. Um, it's fine. Miles Johnson's actually been stepping in and taking that role a little bit more anyways. Miles Johnson has been a block factory, a rebound, a board factory. Um, and then Johnny Juzang also not playing on Saturday versus Washington. They said he fell off a scooter, bruised his hip or something. I don't know who keeps giving these athletes scooters at UCLA, but they need to ban them because at this point, it's getting kind of ridiculous how many injuries have happened between the basketball and football teams uh, with the scooters. And I'm sure other sports as well, we just don't hear about as much. So no Johnny Juzang and Jalen Clark and David Singleton step it up. Jake Kyman also deserves a shout out here. He has been a little bit more in the mix. And people always point out, uh, fans are quick to point out, Bruin Report Online has pointed this out, that when David Singleton and Jake Kyman are in the mix, the offense just runs a lot smoother. The ball moves more. Uh, we're not seeing as much of those ISOs, right? Um, Tiger Campbell was out versus Washington State on Thursday for violation of team rules. They found out about 30 minutes before the game tipped, or maybe an hour. Um, and... So that was what's interesting, too, is basically been worried about this UCLA offense. They looked so off kilter. They looked so out of it versus USC. They didn't know how to create offense. And then all of a sudden, Johnny Juzang doesn't play. Cody Riley doesn't play. Tiger Campbell doesn't play, uh, you know, over the stretch of these two games. And the offense looks incredible. And now you could say, well, it's against these Washington teams. And Washington itself it was kind of a dumpster fire, unfortunately, if you're a Washington fan. But Washington State's defense was really good. Really good. And like I said, they almost beat USC on Sunday. I mean, they kept it. I mean, they lost by two in the final 0.2 seconds. So Washington State, what I took away from this weekend was their defense was absolutely legit. Um, and they are playing like they still have something to play for, which I really respect. So UCLA's offense being able to do what it did and create options for 
players that are so much further down their bench in theory and in, in reality, actually, is such a promising sign heading into March that if Johnny Juzang has to sit out a game, you can have players like this step in. Now, is that going to work long-term for the tournament, the NCAA tournament? No, not when you make a deep run. But as far as the Pac-12 tournament is concerned, as far as you know, these next couple of weeks go, this is really, really promising. I really thought that the way the offense looked the last few games was a complete 180 from what we saw versus USC. So all good things on the Bruin front there. ASU, 10 and 15 overall. They're 6 and 9 uh, in the conference. And Ken Palm has them 117th. You know, like this is not a great team, but what they do well is defense. They're 40th in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. And so when we talk about this, uh, the total is 133.5 for this game. The last time these two teams played in Tucson on February 5th, so what, 16 days ago, the total was 131.5. So it's two points higher here. Now, the last game went over. There were three overtimes. That'll do it. But at the end of regulation, before any overtimes, it was 62 to 62, right? Two good defensive performances. Um, and that obviously under 131 and a half there. So I definitely think it's worth a shot to look at the under here where I have some trepidation. Um, well, here, let's start with why I would look at it. Arizona strength is their defense. I just mentioned that. UCLA's is, has been their strength. But... We just talked about how their offense looks so great in the last two games. That's where the trepidation comes in for me. Is UCLA going to go out and shoot the way it shot against these Washington teams? They shot 51.9% versus Washington State and 47.6% versus Washington. So do I expect another 50% shooting game? Not necessarily, but could it happen? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just, what you know. Figuring it out now, getting hot at the right time. I don't know what the mix is going to be either, right? We had Tiger Campbell back in the mix for Washington, but then he went out with an injury kind of towards the end. I don't know what we're going to see on any given night from this UCLA offense, but right now, these last two games, they've been playing well. That's the only thing that makes me think when they last played Arizona, they were not looking like this. So them scoring 62 points sounds about right. Now, maybe we're more in a situation where they scored 76 points versus both Washington teams. So if that is the case unless their defense really, really gives ASU a hard time, which it should, um, but will it, then you could be looking at it over here. That said, I like, I lean under here. Plus it's the second time these two teams are playing. Um, it's in UCLA's house. They're going to make them play at their pace, we would hope. So unless UCLA just shoots the lights out and blows this total over, um, I do lean a little bit under. As for the spread, UCLA's covered mm, two double-digit spreads straight. But ASU is going to put up a fight here, right? They already know that they've beaten them once before, and they want to prove that that was not a fluke. And they're getting 14 points. Now, UCLA has covered these big spreads over the last couple games. Like I said, they've covered two straight. Uh, and of course, being those Washington games, 15 points versus Washington they covered, and then nine and a half, so not, not quite double digits, versus Washington State. They, of course, lost to USC before that. Covered versus Stanford minus seven. Yeah, I don't think, I think this is the one of the biggest spreads they've had to cover in the last dozen or more games. Oregon State, where they were 16 point favorites, but they haven't been 14 or higher since then. I, I mean, if you can get 14 and a half, obviously, as well, shop around. 
I would lean Arizona plus 14 and a half. Not a play for me uh, because, hey, the Bruins have been covering stuff lately, but 14 and a half sounds high. Uh, I do think that um, – do keep in mind, too, Arizona's been on the road quite a bit. They've been doing well, but that could factor into their play as well. Um, so maybe an underplay for me here, but I am – concerned that, you know, UCLA is just going to shoot so well that I'm not going to be able to bet this under, you know, dare to dream. Uh, but maybe that's just me getting excited uh, for the rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I will be back for more fun and games on Wednesday, which incidentally is actually my birthday. So come celebrate with me on the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.